Well, good morning, and welcome to the start of our brand new series called Above the Line. And the whole reason we're doing this series is because we have all had those moments where we said that thing or we did that thing that just seemed to come out of us before we could stop it. It was like before we could put the brakes on our mouths or the brakes on our actions, it just came out of us. You know, there have been those moments where it was like our filter that's usually in place and keeps those things from coming out, our filter just broke down and those words came out or those actions came out or those emotions came out and we just couldn't stop them. And it was so uncharacteristic of us or at least so uncharacteristic of how we like to think of ourselves that we were just left wondering, where did that come from, right? And we've experienced this in our marriages, in our marriages where he said or she said, and then before you could stop yourself, you found yourself saying, and it wasn't that you didn't mean it, you meant it, you just didn't mean to say it out loud. And we've had it happen. We've had it happen with uh, talking to parents or maybe communicating with siblings or maybe at work at a meeting, you know, things just went south, accusations were made, and you said things that you couldn't unsay in the same way. People heard those things and they couldn't unhear those things and you just felt so embarrassed that that came out of you. Or as a parent, we've had this happen as parents, you know, where things just spiral and there was that way. Before you were a parent, before you were a parent, you said, I will never be a parent like that. But then you found yourself in a situation where you were exactly a parent like that and you were like, I don't know where that came from. And we've all had this happen. We've all had those moments, those breakdowns and those blow-ups that just leave us wondering, where did that come from? And what we tend to do is we tend to look at our environment and our circumstances. And it's like, of course I did that because if, if he hadn't said or if she hadn't said, then I never would have said. Or if work hadn't been so busy, then I never would have. Or if they hadn't been so um, just foolish or if they hadn't been so insensitive, then I never would have. And we blame it on our circumstances. Like the whole reason these things come out of us is because of our circumstances. Or if we're really enlightened, we blame it on our emotions. We know it's the result of our emotions. Like if you hadn't made me so angry, I never would have. Or if work hadn't been so stressful, I never would have. And so we blame our emotions. And so what do we do? What do we do when we recognize that our filters aren't sufficient for our circumstances? Well, obviously, we build better Filters, because the problem is with the filter, and so we build a better filter. We make uh, more significant resolutions to not say those things again. We make firmer decisions. I will never say that again. I'll never raise my voice like that again. I will never let my emotions get the better of me again. Um, or, we, or we decide to manage our emotions when we recognize that those behaviors, those words are linked to emotions. We manage our emotions the way that all of us have learned how to manage our emotions, right? We suppress them. We put them down. We put them aside. We ignore them and we move on. We tell everybody that we're fine and we move on from it. And so inadvertently, inadvertently, our approach to managing our behavior and managing our emotions, our default approach to that is this. We filter and we, not that, there was going to be a slide. Our, inadvertently, our default approach to life change or managing behaviors and emotions is filter and suppress. Filter and suppress. Filter our behaviors and suppress our unwanted emotions. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you go to church, read the Bible, pray, filter, suppress. Filter, suppress, right? That's our approach to life change. But here's what we all know. We all know this. You know this as well as I know this. It 
doesn't work. It doesn't work. And we know that because it hasn't worked, right? The filters continue to break down and the emotions continue to resurface. It doesn't work. And the more we try to shut those things down, the more we shut down. The more we try to shut down those things that seem to come out of us, the more we feel like we're pretending like we're someone that we're not, and the more we tend to shut down. And the more we shut down, the more we shut other people out. And here's what we all know, that if we don't learn how to manage the things that come out of us, if we don't learn how to manage our emotions, if we don't learn how to manage our behaviors, if we don't learn how to manage those things, those things are going to manage us. And we know that. If we don't manage those things, those things are going to undermine our experience of life they're going to undermine how we experience our life. And they're going to undermine how we engage in our lives. They're going to undermine how we show up in our lives. They're going to undermine how we show up in our relationships. They're going to undermine how we show up in our marriages and how we interact with our children and then how we interact in the workplace. And they're going to undermine those relationships. And this isn't a message and this isn't a series about here's what you need to do to be better and it's because I've got it all figured out. This is coming from a place of I have recognized these things coming out of me and I got on a journey and am on a journey to figure out how do I manage myself better because I could see the behaviors that were coming out of me that were undermining my relationships and I could see myself turning into someone that I didn't want to be and what I know about you is that you don't want to be that kind of person either. You don't want to be the kind of person that people are walking on eggshells around. You don't want to be the kind of person that people don't know what they can expect from you. You don't want to be the kind of person that other people don't feel safe around you. That's not what you want either. That's not what any of us want. And so the question is, how do we change? Like, how do we really change? Not just how do we build better filters? How do we put up better fronts? But how do we really, really change? And what is so helpful and what I'm so thankful for is that one of the closest followers of Jesus, a man named Matthew, who walked and, and lived and spoke and ate with and listened to Jesus for Jesus' whole three and a half year ministry. And after Jesus predicted and pulled off his death and resurrection, Matthew recognized that Jesus must be who he claimed to be, that this was God in flesh who came to show us who he is and who he created us to be. And so after that, Matthew wrote up an account of the life and the teachings and the miracles of Jesus, and we have that account in the New Testament portions of our Bible, not so coincidentally called Matthew. And in it, Matthew records a conversation that Jesus had where Jesus gets right to the heart, pun intended, right to the heart of what we're going to be talking about today. And so to give you a little bit of context for what's happening in this conversation, Jesus is talking to some Pharisees and teachers of the law. And the Pharisees and teachers of the law were the religious leaders of that day. And they were hyper fixated on rules because they believed that what God cared about most was our external conformity to rules. So they were all about keeping the rules. And they observed Jesus' disciples eating food with unwashed hands, which was against their tradition. It wasn't against any commands that God had given them, but a tradition that was later added by rabbis rabbis or other religious leaders. And so they see Jesus' disciples eating with unwashed hands, and they call them out on it because they weren't keeping the rules. 
And so Jesus responds to the religious leaders by saying, you think that all God cares about are rules. You think that what God is most concerned about it with is what accidentally goes into the mouth. And Jesus says, God isn't nearly so concerned as you think he is with what accidentally gets into your mouth. God is not concerned with a little bit of dirt accidentally getting into your mouth. God's not concerned or what contaminates a person isn't the dirt that gets into their mouth. And then Jesus says this. Jesus says, but, but the things, the things that come out of a person's mouth not what accidentally goes into the mouth, but what accidentally comes out of the mouth. The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. They come from the heart. And this is what defiles them, or this is what contaminates a person. Not what goes into them, but what comes out, because it comes from their heart. And then Jesus says this. He says, for out of the heart, and whenever Jesus said heart, back then heart was a general reference to your, like, your internal condition. So heart means internal condition, your thoughts, your emotions, your will, your life orientation, what you're focused on, your desires. All of those things were categorized under one word, heart. Out of your heart or your internal condition come evil thoughts like Murder and adultery and sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. So Jesus is saying the reason these things come out, the reason these unwanted emotions, the reason these behaviors, the reasons these words come out of your mouth is because of your internal conditions. It's because of your heart. So Jesus would say the reason you said those things that you now regret saying, the reason that your emotions got the better of you, the reason you lost your stuff and now you're so embarrassed and you regret it so much, the reason that happened wasn't because your boss was such a jerk and it wasn't because your kids were so disrespectful and it wasn't because you had so much going on in your life. The reason those things came out of you was because of your heart, was because of your internal condition. The reason those things came out of you was because they were in you to begin with. It was the result of your internal condition. And I think that when Jesus said this, Jesus, who is more familiar with the entire Old Testament than anybody else would have been, I think Jesus must have had in mind the words of King Solomon. King Solomon, who had become king of Israel 800 years before, and when he found out he was going to be king, he didn't ask God for riches or for power or for fame. He asked God for wisdom, so God gave him wisdom. And King Solomon wrote a number of things based on the wisdom God had given him that are found in our Old Testament portion of our Bible in a book called Proverbs. And I think one of these Proverbs that we received from King Solomon, I think Jesus definitely had this in mind when he was having this conversation. What King Solomon wrote was this. He says, above all else, and whenever you hear one of the wisest people who, who's ever lived, whenever you hear somebody who's really, really wise say something like, above all else, we, that's like our cue to pay attention, right? That's, that's where we lean in. Like, here's one of the wisest people saying, here is what you should prioritize above all else. Whenever someone really wise says that, we should just pay attention. He says, above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, ahead of everything else that you do in your life, ahead of everything else that you're managing, ahead of everything else that's competing for your time and attention, ahead of all the other things on your agenda, guard your heart. Guard your internal condition. Manage and protect 
your internal condition because, because it is the wellspring of life. Solomon says, guard your heart, guard your internal condition because of out of that internal condition flows the whole rest of your life. Out of your internal condition flows your experience of life. How you experience life comes from your internal condition. So guard it above all else. Out of your internal condition, out of your heart come your behaviors, your actions, the words that you use, how you engage in your life. It's from the condition of your heart, so guard it above all else. How you show up in your relationships, how you show up in your struggles, how you show up in the difficulties of your life, how you show up in your disappointments, how you show up as a husband and how you show up as a wife, all of it comes from the condition of your heart. So above all else, guard your heart. And so if we want to change, if, if we want to make real change in our life, not just build better filters, not just act the way that we're supposed to act, but if we want real change to happen in our lives, if we want to really change the emotions and the behaviors that flow out of us, that kind of change, that kind of change always starts with the condition of our hearts. Real change, real change, life change always starts with the condition of our hearts hearts. And if any of you have ever been in the military or you were raised by a father who introduced you to firearms and he was in the military, then, then, then you're familiar with this, that anytime you're handling a weapon in the military, the thing that they emphasize always, 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 always is to always know at any time, at any moment, to always know the condition of your weapon, right? And those of you who've been in, you remember this. What is the condition of your weapon? Do you have a magazine in? Is the bolt open or closed? Is there a round in the chamber? Is it on safe? Is it off safe? Always, always, always know the condition of your weapon because if you don't, if you don't, then what is in it, what is in it could accidentally come out of it. And if what is in it accidentally comes out of it, then there's a potential that people can be hurt and things can be damaged. So you have to always know the condition of your weapons. I think Jesus and Solomon would all agree. If we're going to change, that change always has to start. That change always starts with knowing the condition of our hearts. Know the condition of your heart. What's the condition of your heart? What is the condition of your heart? And how can we know the condition of our heart? How can you know? How can I know? How can we, at any point in time in our lives, how can we at any point in time, no matter what's going on around us, how can we know what the condition of our heart is? How can we increase our awareness? If we're going to manage our heart and experience real life change, and that kind of change starts with the condition of our hearts, how can we know the condition of our hearts? And what I really appreciate about Jesus is Jesus makes this really, really simple for us. Another follower of Jesus, a guy named Luke, who had followed Jesus. He was a contemporary of Jesus. He interviewed eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus. He also wrote up an account of the life of Jesus and recorded a conversation where Jesus gives this, this really, really simple way for us to know the condition of our heart at any point in time. And here's what Luke says. And here's what Jesus says. Luke records that Jesus says, Jesus says, no good tree bears bad fruit. 
No good tree bears bad fruit. And when Jesus used the word good and bad there, they're translated from Greek words that mean healthy or unhealthy. So when a good tree or when a healthy tree uh, or no, no good or healthy tree bears bad or unhealthy fruit, nor does a bad tree or an unhealthy tree bear good or healthy fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. So Jesus is explaining something that's just really simple to everybody who is around him. He was saying, you know, if you have an unhealthy tree, you're going to know it's unhealthy because its fruit is going to be unhealthy. If you look at the fruit and it's unhealthy, you can assume you have an unhealthy tree. It's pretty simple. And if you have a healthy tree or if you have a tree that's producing healthy fruit, you can assume you have a healthy tree, right? If it's healthy. And, and everybody who's listening to Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, we get this because they grew up in an agrarian society. Like they just knew this. Jesus was like, good, good. Well, people are the same. And then Jesus says this, a good man a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. Good man brings good out of the good in his heart, the good that comes from his internal condition. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So Jesus, and I think it's so instructive for us that Jesus compares this um, not to somebody who like follows the rules or doesn't follow the rules, but Jesus compares this to a healthy tree or an unhealthy tree. And it's kind of like he's saying, if somebody's heart or somebody's internal condition is healthy, then what comes out of them is just going to be healthy. It's going to be good for them, and it's going to be good for the people around them. It's going to build up and grow people around them. And if somebody's internal condition is unhealthy, if it's unhealthy, then what comes out of them is going to be unhealthy. It's going to be unhealthy and destructive or counterproductive to themselves and to the people around them. And what I love about the simplicity of this is Jesus says, if you want to know your heart at any point in time, if you want to know the condition of your heart, he says, it's simple. It's binary. It's healthy or it's unhealthy. It's good or it's bad. It's up or it's down. It's left or it's right. It's black or it's white. It's one or the other. It's healthy or it's unhealthy. I think we could make it really simple. We could look at it like this. any point in time, at any point in time, your heart, my heart, our condition, our internal condition is either above or below the line. At any point in time, our internal condition is either above or below the line. At any point in time, we are either above or below the line. So below the line, what Jesus would say is like an unhealthy heart or an unhealthy internal condition. We've all experienced this because we've all been in those places where we know our internal conditions, like they're just not good and there's a potential for something not good to come out of us. We know what this feels like. When we're below the line, we tend to be, we tend to be closed. We tend to be defensive. When we're below the line, when our internal condition isn't good, we tend to be more reactive. And a lot of that comes because inside of us, inside of us, if we pay just a little bit of attention to it, and you guys have, you know what this feels like. If we pay a little bit of attention to it, what we find inside of us is this tension. 
It's just something's not right. Something's a little bit off. Something's not right inside of us. And if we paid a little bit more attention and looked a little bit deeper, what we would find is that tension comes from a feeling that there's some kind of threat. I can spell it. Threat. That somewhere, somewhere, there's some kind of threat. Either a threat to our, our need for acceptance that we feel like our acceptance is on the line. And anytime we feel like our acceptance or our value or our sense of worth, anytime we feel like our acceptance is on the line, we shift into this mode where we feel like we have to prove ourselves. We have to prove that we're, we're worthy of acceptance or we have to pretend if we feel like we're not worthy, we have to pretend that we're something that deep down we're not really sure that we are. We have to deflect. We have to deflect blame and responsibility and accountability and criticism. We have to deflect those things. We have to self-protect. We have to protect ourselves and protect the parts of ourselves that we think aren't acceptable. And we all know what these, this feels like because we've all been there. We feel like there's some kind of threat to our acceptance or maybe a threat to our need for autonomy, which is that need to have control over our lives. And whenever we feel like there's a threat to our autonomy, the way that we usually respond to that is we try to control what's around us. The more we feel like control over our lives is being threatened, the more we control our circumstances, the more we try to control the people around us. And we do that through manipulation, through coercion. And the more we feel like our autonomy is being threatened, the more we shift into a victim mindset, the more we feel like life is happening to us, that our circumstances are happening to us. And we know what that feels like. Or we feel like there's some kind of threat to our need for safety and just physical security. And whenever we feel like there's a threat to our safety or our physical security, it's, it's that sense that there's not enough. We shift into a scarcity mindset, a com competition mindset. We feel like there's just not enough. There's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not enough of something in our lives. And we get competitive and we start to get a little bit ferocious. We start to get a little bit on edge. This is what it feels like when we're below the line. And all of us have been there and we found ourselves there. And Jesus says, that's, that's like an unhealthy internal condition. And when your internal condition is like that, then unhealthy things are going to come out of you. But if you're above the line, if you're above the line, what Jesus would call a, a healthy or a good internal condition, when you're above the line, and we've been there before, we tend to be more open. Instead of feeling defensive, we tend to be more compassionate. We tend to be compassionate with ourselves, compassionate with other people. Instead of being reacted, we find ourselves being more curious. We're curious more about our situation, not just reacting to our situation, but we get curious about how do I resolve this problem? Instead of reacting to a person, we get curious about where is this person coming from and how has this person seen it? Instead of reacting to ourselves, we get more curious about what's going on inside of me that's causing me to feel this way. We just tend to be more curious and open. And instead of an internal tension, we sense a greater sense of, uh, or we have this greater sense of internal peace it's just that calm, we're not on edge, we're not tightened up, our hearts aren't racing, we just have this internal sense of peace because, because instead of a threat, we feel like we're in a safe place. We have a greater sense of, of safety, that, that all of our needs are essentially intact, that our need for acceptance, we recognize that we're accepted by our Heavenly Father, not through the virtue of what we do or how we behave, 
but he just accepts us because we're his. And if he accepts us, we accept ourselves, and we don't have that need to receive acceptance from other people. It's, it's not a resource that we have to compete for. And we, we, we have our autonomy intact, that the control and freedom we're meant to have doesn't come from controlling the world around us. It comes from controlling ourselves. We maintain that sense of autonomy, that freedom, because we're free to pursue God's purpose for us. We're free to pursue God's plan for us. That's where our sense of freedom comes, not from controlling people or circumstances. And we, we feel safe. We feel safe. We don't feel like resources are scarce. Because we trust, we trust that we have a good God that's in charge of the whole universe and he will not deprive us of anything that we need to fulfill his purpose and his plan for our lives. We trust that he's gonna give us enough that however much we have at any point in time, it's enough for us to fulfill the mission that he has for us at that point in time. And in addition to that, we're confident of his promises to us that even if we feel deprived in this, in this life now, there's a life to come where we will have plenty. And so we feel safe. And we've all been in one of these two places. We've all either been above the line at some points or below the line at other points. But at any point in time, at any point in time, your internal condition, what's going on inside of you, is defined by where you are in relation to the line. And where you are in relation to the line will determine what comes out of you, your emotions and your behaviors and the words that come out of you. And here's what I think is really fascinating. I don't think, I don't know if you'll find this as fascinating as I do, but this is really interesting to me, is that, you know, Jesus and the writers of the New Testament talked about this, and they, they talked about this being darkness or this being misunderstanding, and they referred to this as death, you know, and they referred to this as being in the light or having understanding, having clarity, having our eyes opened. They talk about the fruits of the Spirit coming out of our above-the-line condition. And what we understand now, 2,000 years later, is these conditions are mapped directly to neurological circuitry in our brains. So I learned this from, from my wife, who is a psychologist and is super brilliant, and she taught me this. I'm going to pass it on to you. We're going to create a working model of our brain right now. Ready? So I'm going to take our hand and tuck in our thumb and wrap the other four fingers of your hand around that thumb, and bam, you have a working model of your brain. Hooray, you did it. This part up here is called your prefrontal cortex. It is the part behind your forehead. That's your prefrontal cortex. This is the back of your head here, just to orient everybody. Your prefrontal cortex, what some psychologists call your upstairs brain. Your upstairs brain maps to your condition when you are above the line. When we, are, when we have an internal condition that is above the line, our prefrontal cortex is activated. And here's what's really interesting about that. Our prefrontal cortex is what's responsible for things like compassion and generosity and wise decision-making and discipline and growth mindset. It's the part of our brain that considers uh, future planning and thinking things through, risk assessment, curiosity, innovation, all of the things that we want more of, all of the things that we want to grow and develop, those are the things, all the things that are necessary for Christ-like development, all the things, the capacities that are necessary to 
to grow into the person that God created you to be, for you to experience the life that God created you to experience, all those capacities are located in the prefrontal cortex. And they're activated when our internal condition is above the line. Now, if we peel our brain open, you know, peel off our upstairs brain, we reveal what we could call our downstairs brain, the amygdala, which is like the response, the, the, um, the emotional center of our brain, what is responsible for our fight or flight response to threats that we perceive in our environments. And our downstairs brain, to, uh, you guys are expecting this, our downstairs brain, maps to the condition that we're in when we're below the line. When we are below the line, it's our downstairs brain, that inner brain, that's activated. And when that, inner, when that, when that downstairs brain is activated, what it does is it releases a chemical neurotransmitter cocktail into our body. It releases adrenaline. It releases dopamine. It releases cytokines. It releases cortisol. It releases all these things into our body that get our body on edge. It gets us tensed up because something has happened that makes us feel there's a threat. And so our body has to get ready to either fight or to flee. And so our brain responds appropriately appropriately and it gets us ready for that. Now, that's a good thing. That's a good thing if there's an actual threat in our environment, right? Like if there's a panther that's tracking you like in the woods, like that's great. We love that part of our brain because it makes us not die and we appreciate it at that point. But more often than not, it's activated at times when it shouldn't be activated, when there's not an actual real legitimate threat in our environment. And what happens when our downstairs brain is activated, when we're below the line and that downstairs brain is activated, here's what your brain has been developed to do. It literally cuts off access to your upstairs brain. Because when your brain recognizes there is a threat, it says, let's forget everything else. Let's not pay it. We don't have time for generosity. We don't have time for compassion. We don't have time for discipline or wise decision making. There's a threat. So all of our energy is going to get directed to uh, assessing and dealing with that threat. And you literally lose access to the things that we want and need most. We lose access to the things that are necessary to become who God created us to be and experience the life that he created us for. When we are in that below-the-line condition, that condition essentially becomes a prison. As long as we're in that condition, this line becomes the lid to how we can experience and engage in and show up in our lives. And if we were to characterize all of this in one word and apply one word to all of it, I think it would be safe. And I think all of us would agree that we could call this fear, that the whole below the line condition is a condition of fear. And I imagine a lot of people a lot of people that you encounter and interact with every day, and maybe a lot of us, more often than we'd like, find ourselves below the line in a condition of fear, and that condition has become a prison. Where you, whether you call it fear or anxiety 
or insecurity or just uncertainty or just that tension or that edge or that stress that we find ourselves in day to day. All of it, all of it, at the bottom of it is fear. And I imagine a lot of us find ourselves there more often than we'd like. And that fear, that fear is defining how you experience life. And it's defining and restricting how we show up in our lives. Because what comes out of us is because of what's in us. I think more of us have fear in us than we'd like. The really good news, the really good news is that God has come into the world in the person of Jesus. And he's come into the world to show us what he is like, to show us that our God, the creator of the universe, is a good God and to prove it to us. He, allowed, he, he proved it through his life, through his provision, through his miracles, but he also he proved it beyond a shadow of a doubt through his death on the cross to show us that God is gentle, he's humble, he's kind. He won't lift a finger against us even, even when we nail him to a cross, that we would know, that we would be convinced that not only is he good, not only is he for us, but we can trust him that we can trust him. And, and John, uh, who was a follower of Jesus, who called himself the disciple Jesus loved, he said it this way. He said, God is love. God, as he proved himself to be in the person of Jesus, is love. And he says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Jesus came and he invited us. He invited us to make a shift from below the line to above the line, that we would live from a place of love, that we would no longer live in a below-the-line condition, but that we would live from love. And that would define our internal condition, that that would define what comes out of us. That would define our experience of life and how we engage in life, that we would live in this world with a sense of trust and safety, and openness, and compassion, and generosity, that we would become the kind of people that he created us to be, and that we would experience the life that he longs for us to live when our hearts change, when our internal condition changes, not when our circumstances change, not when the people around us change, but when our internal conditions change, and we start to experience life above the line and the whole rest of this series, the whole rest of this series, we're going to be talking about what are the things that cause us to be below the line. And when we catch ourselves below the line, how do we make this shift to get our internal condition back above the line so that what comes out of us is what we want to come out of us. So here's your homework for this week. Our homework for this week is to simply, simply increase your awareness at any point in time, whether you're above or below the line. That's it. We're just going to become aware this week. At any point in time, are we above or below the line? Your goal this week isn't to shift and force yourself to be on one side or the other. Your goal this week is just to become aware at any point. Am I above or below the line? As you come out of a conversation or a meeting, like in that meeting, was I above or below the line? After that conversation or that dispute with my wife or my husband, was I above or below the line? When I interacted with my kids just now, was I above or below the line? That's it. And wherever you are, wherever you find yourself to be, we're not going to beat ourselves up 
for being there. It's not like you're right if you're here and you're wrong if you, you're here. It's just that's just where you are. And I want you to know that God accepts you right there and you can accept yourself right there. All I want this week, all we're going to do this week is increase our awareness of whether or not we're above or below the line. And when you get together in your small groups this week, I want you guys to get together and talk about how many times, how many times did you get aware of whether or not you were above or below the line. And also, here's the, and here's the good thing about this homework, is nobody knows that you're doing this. Like if you're at the office, or you're at home, or you're at the dinner table, or you're in the car, nobody knows that this is happening. It's all, it's all inside of you. So you don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to like feel like, oh my gosh, people are going to know like I'm getting self-aware about my own emotions and what's going on. No, nobody knows. Knows. Nobody knows this is happening. All you do is you just ask yourself right now, am I above or below the line? That's it. That's all you have to do. And when you do that, here's, I want you to do, do this as well. Every time you ask yourself that question, every time this week you ask that, yourself that question, am I above or below the line? Every time you do that inside your head, I just want you to throw yourself like a little party, okay? You're going to celebrate every time. I know, it feels so weird. Every time you do that, I want you to like in your head, like mentally, like party hat and confetti coming down, like, hooray, I did it. I did it. I want you to celebrate it because, because the more you develop your awareness of whether you're above or below the line, the more you are learning to guard your heart. It all starts with knowing the condition of your heart, the change that you want to make and how you experience and show up in your life. That change is going to start with knowing the condition of your heart. So where are you? At any point in time, I want you to be able to define where you are in relation to the line. Will you guys pray with me? Father, we love you so much. And we thank you just so much with, with the lives that you've given us. And and, and as difficult as things can be at, at times, and as difficult as our circumstances can be at times, we know that you created us to experience life a certain way, to experience life at the highest levels, and to engage in life at the highest levels as well. And Father, we know, we know that all of those changes start with what's going on in our heart. And so we pray. We pray that this week you would help us to increase awareness of our internal condition so that condition doesn't become a prison. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.